Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP podcast on this uh, Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. Uh, tonight is season three, episode nine. And my guest tonight is Ryan Payette. He's a journalist writer with the uh, London Free Press in London, Ontario. And he's also covers the uh, London Knights and the Ontario Hockey League as well. And I believe Ryan's been with the London Free Press uh, for over 20 years uh, now. So um, he was nice enough to give us some time tonight to talk about his career and working for the London Free Press and talk maybe a little bit about the London Knights who are having another outstanding year this year. So if you guys can just bear with me and I will bring on Ryan and we'll talk a little bit of uh, OHL and some of his career as well. Good evening, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, I don't Hi, problem. There. Yes. Have you used StreamYard yet on any of your uh, video c conferences? No, it's brand new. I've used a lot of them in the last two years, but uh, not StreamYard. It look, looks good. Uh, I, I'd say superior to Zoom at this point. And uh, I like the background uh, bud gardens there in the back. And, uh, you know, I always got to say, I remember uh, in Guelph there when I saw you uh, wearing a Tigers hat. And uh, that, that's uh, that's the team I grew up rooting for. So, uh we could talk about that all, all night if you want. <laughs> yeah, huge Tigers fan. Yeah, no, StreamYard is great. My friend in Philadelphia who helped me get started with podcasts told me about StreamYard, and uh, it is such a great it's uh, I zoom is great too, but uh stream for my podcast is really great. And every guest I have on, uh, I try to put on, on a background that represents the city they're from. Yeah. It looks like my view in the press box. That that's it right there. It's the same yeah, thing. Definitely. Yeah. And it was kind of, like you said, it was kind of nice to meet you briefly at the Sleeman center. And uh, I, I really enjoyed doing the camera work, um, the broadcast side of it as well on TV as well. Yeah, and you know what? You landed in, in Guelph there with the Storm. Everyone talks about the London Knights being a great OHL franchise. The Guelph Storm has is no slouch either. The, you know, the, the success that franchise has had, you're in a good spot. And, um, you know, they had a great start to the year, and we'll see what happens. But uh, they're taking some lumps now. But uh, they got so many good young uh, guys. I think it's gonna be they're going to be a force for years to come here in this league. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what I was going to say, Ryan. Uh, I, I do think the one month's break kind of hurt their momentum because they did have a nice win against London before the Christmas shutdown, and then they didn't play a game for another month. I'm not making excuses there, but I just think the, a month shutdown, and then also, like you said, uh, they're a very young hockey club, and it is a long season too. Yeah, yeah. You, it goes up a level. You, you see that with the Leafs, right, the way they play. You know, every, every team start playing playoff hockey, and for the young guys, it's real hard too. And I know the Knights have a lot of seventeen-year-olds that they uh, depend on in, in key situations, and they're they're expecting now that they've had half a season to start playing a little heavier and a little more like veterans, which is it's a it's a tall ask when they didn't get seasons as sixteen-year-olds. So eh? you think of these draft-eligible guys, and 
you know, they missed the whole year last year of, of, of the learning that they're going through. And, and it's just the rate, you know, going to the new rinks, going, going to Saginaw, going to the Sioux for Guelph. It was that first time in London, uh, same with the Knights going to Kitchener for the first time. The kids have never played there before. So, you know, it takes a little while and you get the nooks and crannies and bumps and the boards and glass and that sort of thing. It, it does, it does take a bit that you usually get in your 16-year-old year. So I give the credit to these guys for playing the way they have this year in, in their first years. And, and you know, for the veterans, for, for the most part around the league, and obviously I'm mostly doing the Western Conference this year, I, 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 the veterans, uh, I, they, they really, really are helping, helping these young guys along. And they, they know what it meant to miss a year. And, and they want these guys, they want to win, right? So they're... Uh, been very competitive hockey uh, so far and I've, I've been really impressed uh, you know there's been some like well has been beating London a lot and London beats Kitchener and Owen Sound a lot and there's all kinds of stuff like that across the league but um, you know it's been really entertaining hockey uh, I, 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 I found the skill level hasn't been hasn't dropped off forever just, just you know some of the system stuff right some of the there's some defensive breakdowns and all that and, and I chalked that up to a year and plus like you said these not having a game for a month for Guelph and all that. It's, it's crazy. And London had a ton to make up too. They, they still have a ton to make up. They'll be playing, uh, uh, fi- they play 13 in, in February and we just uh, counted up 15 in, in March, 31 days in March. There's not going to be a lot of time to practice the rest of the year too. So they're just going to have to rely on, on their smarts and experience here the rest of the way. And I was going to say it was uh, Major League Baseball. I don't think they're going to be starting up until at least July, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, we have the OHL and junior hockey going until at least June this year with the Memorial Cup. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'll be interesting when the OHL's finals in June. I'll be interested to see how many people are in the, the two rinks that are playing, uh, the two teams, uh, how many people they have in their rinks. Because, you know, I know it, uh, most people have cottages, right? And they want to you got a brief time to use it and uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there with the season ticket holders and stuff like that across the, across the league. Yeah. Once I was going to notice like in the West, you obviously you got London, uh, Windsor, Flint and Sioux. Guelph's kind of now on the edge of being in the top four, but in the Eastern conference, it's really strong for once. Yes. And yeah. So like, like you said, uh, 20 years at the London free press and, you know, so I, I, it's it's been dominated by the West. Like the, I, I would say, without looking it up, it's like f- five uh, champions have come out of the East and probably fifteen out of the West, right? And you look at this Midwest division; they've all won. I, I want to go back, probably back to when Kitchener won it in two thousand eight. Every team in the Midwest division has won it, or you know, you know, been and been there, knocked on the door a couple times. And London's obviously won three of them. Um, you know, in the last 13 years and Guelph's won a couple, you, you know, there's a lot of champions just coming out of the Midwest, probably s- seven or eight championships in the last 13, 14 years. So, you know, I remember uh, Oshawa, I, I went to the Memorial Cup in Quebec city when Oshawa won in 15. And then a few years later, uh, Robbie, Robbie Thomas got traded to Hamilton and became the MVP. And when they beat the Sioux and uh, you know, it's good to see like this Hamilton team's real good. And, uh, you know, there's a couple others, right? North Bay's uh, been solid all year. Got, got, got some nice, a nice core of players. And, uh, you, you know, I think it's been really competitive over there, which is great. I, you know, I miss that, you know, you get to see all those teams. Like, I don't get to see you – don't, you don't get to see Shane Wright in Guelph. I don't get to see him in, in Guelph and, and that sort of thing. And I, I'd like to see some of the guys on Hamilton, Mason McTavish, when he's, you know, settled now from the, from the Olympics and stuff. You know, I, I and and I like going to some of those ranks too. So, 
you know, I miss that. It's, it's been a weird year. And, and honestly, Chris, you know, I've, I've really started to think about it. Like when you look at the scoring races and, and stuff like that, and I, I think, hope the OHL is considering it. I haven't talked to them yet about it, but they should have like co MVPs. Like there should be a, you know, it's too hard to pick a, a league MVP or a league scoring champion when you don't, you don't play each other. So they should probably just hand out the awards. They should do one for the East and the West this year at the end of the year. Definitely. And it's going to even make the uh, OHL championship more interesting this year because nobody's going to have played each other. So it's going to be very <laughs> yeah. interesting how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, having covered a lot of OHL championships over the year, those big games, like during the season, like the, t- the kids know pretty around, you know, right after the trade deadline, they know who's going to win the thing. Mostly there's hardly any huge upsets in the OHL. I can think of, you know, the Sudbury Wolves in 2007 making a, a run to the finals. There, there hasn't been too many of that. North Bay, uh, when they lost to Guelph uh, in 2014, went on a big run. But, uh, you know, mostly the top teams, the teams that were active at the trade deadline, they're the ones that get there and win. Um, and, and so, you know, that during what I was trying to say was during the season, the, those big games in February where I remember Niagara would come into London to play when they had Hosang and the big guys there. Uh, they, they play the nights and you could feel it in the building. It was a little more, even though it was only one or two meetings a year, it was, uh, it was, it was a big time deal. And, you know, I know places like Peterborough and, and St. Cat, like St. Catharines, Niagara and Barry, they really, they probably miss, uh, you know, having the nights and storm and getting a look at, at the Kitchener Rangers and that. Cause um, if you're of a certain vintage, uh, those are the teams you grew up hating and watching, you'd, you'd love to see them. Kind of like um, for my baseball analogy, you know, I I grew up and I watched uh, the Tigers beat the Blue Jays in the '87. Uh, oh yeah, for the for the '87 division series, yeah. And they, they played a bunch of times down the stretch. That was some of my favorite ball I ever watched growing up. And now it's not barely a rivalry. They play a few times. What is it, six or seven times a year? And the it's deep, basically, yeah. a, a, it, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But to old old timey fans like us, yeah. it, it's you know, it really it really meant something. And uh, it, you know, I miss that. I, I wish they were in the same division. Major League Baseball kind of killed that uh, rivalry, like you said. And and then I still, I told Jerry Howarth this, um, even if the Jays had beaten the Tigers in 87, which they obviously didn't, I think the Twins would have beat them anyways because I think the Jays and Tigers beat the hell out of each other. And the, well, obviously the Tigers won this, the, the pennant or the Eastern Division. They didn't have anything left in the gas tank against the Twins. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. And and you know what? There was a poll. Um, might have been Rex Chapman, uh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter. There, uh, you know, was retweeting who who is the worst, who who is the worst uh, like champion you've ever seen or something like that. And and there was all these there. There was thousands of things. I was just scrolling through it. Um, sports champion and the 80s, 87 Twins came up. And you know for. Tiger fans, the 2006 St. Louis Cardinals uh, yep, came, yep. came up too. So, you know, you know it was kind of like, oh, you, you know, and I, I remember when uh, the Red Sox beat the Tigers uh, with with Big Poppy at the home run, uh, you know, big grand slam there um, that, that uh, Torrey Hunter almost caught. Um, you know, that was one that got away too on, on the Tigers, right? You look back and, and you know, I think the, the Leafs, Leaf fans, you know, they, they think um, – you know, last year when when they had Montreal on the ropes there and, and they couldn't finish the job, like, oh, man, we, we might have went to the finals or we played for the Stanley Cup. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think and, – and one thing I know, Knights fans, yeah, you go back to um, 2019 when, when they were playing Nick – they had Nick Suzuki and Isaac Ratcliffe and that – and obviously George Burnett was the coach and both had a real good team. And 
Knights were up three nothing, and that was one yeah. of the most amazing things I've seen was the Guelph coming back and winning that series. And then you know that gave them, I think, beating the Knights in that seven game series when they fell down when they fell to Saginaw and Ottawa early in those series. I think they already knew they're a veteran crew anyway, but they knew they could come back from that. And that's one that I know Knights fans are like, man, we could have been in Halifax at the Memorial Cup had we won one more game, find a way to win one more game. It's just, yeah, that, to me, that's one of the interesting things in sports is just like following trades, like what happened in, to guys after trades, following what happened, you know, what happened after that game seven and round one or two and what could have been kind of thing. That's, uh, I always love that kind of stuff. Well, in that series, I went to game four in Guelph and the Storm hung on to win that game. And that just turned it around, winning four to three, build their confidence. And I, I was just like, hey, let's just win one game and take it to the next game. And then that's it. And and like I said, they did a great job. That 19 team didn't win the Memorial Cup. But you know what? It's still uh, a very special team and still one of the best junior teams I would, I've been around. Yeah, they're amazingly resilient. I, I call it the most resilient team there's ever been in the OHL because, you know, to be go down in all those series. And remember, I, I kind of I, I ripped them a little bit that trade deadline because they just kind of it looked like they were just putting a team together on the fly. Like, and yep. you know, obviously I have a ton of respect for George Burnett and he, mm -hmm. you know, what a job he did there that year to put all those guys together. And all those new faces that bringing guys in and then he made they gelled and maybe it took you know, going down through nothing to the Knights for them to gel, yeah. but they did it. Yeah, they did it. Um, To me, the 14 storm was the, probably the most, uh, they didn't have the most talent, but that team really should have won the Memorial Cup in 14. But unfortunately they had one bad game that whole year. And that was in the final against the Edmonton oil Kings, of course at Budweiser gardens. So it just shows you right. How hard it is not just to win a league championship, but to win the Memorial Cup. Yeah, and you, you, Chris, you got to celebrate your OHL championship. I think a lot of people set the bar of we got to win the Memorial Cup, but you know you, you got to celebrate that. And I know Guelph did, um, you know that year, and and even the night nineteen team they celebrated it. I remember some of the Knights team. Remember that that was the that was the third year in a row for the Knights at the Memorial Cup, and I had a front row seat to that Guelph team uh, playing Edmonton. And I, I agree with you. They, they Guelph was uh, uh, like the best team in the country that year. The, the wait, right? Like you, you finish on Tuesday or Wednesday and you're done till, you know, Sunday or whatever. It, it's it, the other teams are playing that. That's real tough. And I go back the 06 Tigers. Remember they won yeah. and they had to wait for the dash league to finish play seven games. And then they couldn't field the ball anymore by the time. And the hitters are cold, right? It's everyday yes. sport kind of thing. So that, that the Morgan cup is, is a tough situation there when you actually win it and get in it. I saw that in 2012 uh, in Shawinigan when the Knights, when the Knights got in on a Tuesday and then they had to fill the they had to fill their days for like four days before they got to play again. It's like, you're in a totally different tournament. Um, but that, uh, yeah, the, the Knights went to three in a row there and um, it, you know, they, they got further away each time before, you know, two years later winning it in Red Deer with Mitch, Mar you know, one of the great uh, junior lines I've seen uh, with, with Marner, Kachuk and, and Dvorak, uh, an amazing line to cover and follow all year. Um, but yeah, they, they uh, you, you know, I, it, uh, lucky Guelph made it to the, uh, to the 14 final because they went, the, you know, London fans didn't want to go to the final as much uh, their, when their team got knocked out, you know, London fans are London fans, right? They're yeah. like the Knights and, and Guelph came on mass to, to kind of save the atmosphere at, at that one. That was a tough loss to Edmonton and Edmonton was a resilient team. You know, they, 
played all those marathon games, and I know they had a tough run. And and they had a key uh, player, um, Latvian die on their team. Uh, yeah. I remember they had their jersey, brought his jersey out uh, when when they uh, when they won. Uh, it was you know you can never underestimate as a, as a writer. I respect this. You can never underestimate the underlying things that bring a team together, right? That uh, you, you know that you don't see on the ice. You, you keep if people fans focus on what's going on on the ice, and sometimes you got to look a little deeper and see what's going on with that team and what brings them together or, or what tears them apart. Definitely. And I was going to say, um, I've been lucky too with getting guys from around the OHL to come on. And uh, Mike Stubbs has been on twice and Jim Van Horn, Greg Sloan. And I even said to one guy, I might have to secretly cheer for the Knights because when you meet people from other franchises or organizations, it's, it's kind of hard to cheer against them when they're, they're good people like Manny and Steve from the Windsor Spitfires as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And um, you know, that's I, I know we, we can get into this, but I know people think of the Knights as as the evil empire or whatever the one the ones that rec- hey, hey, what what the London Knights do is they've got uh, an experienced coach, right, who played in the NHL. They got a GM who's one of the best talent evaluators at, at this age group, 15, 14, 15, 16, in Mark Hunter. And it, these guys uh, you know, surround themselves with all kinds of player development opportunities like they, they, they have, I, I remember in the early days, you know, they, they have trouble, you know, they weren't scoring. So they, you know, they paid to bring in a shooting, a, a shooter tutor, kind of, a, a, you know, a guy that was an expert on shooting to try to work on the shooting and, and they'll go the extra mile to, for their kids. And the kids appreciate that right now. It's watching the video, right? How, how many clips can the kids want to learn by watching video, right? Okay. So do we have an iPad on the bench? What, what are we learning? Uh, how much video are we watching during during the day? How many games are we watching? They, they create that atmosphere. Also, they're tremendous recruiters. And I think the best recruiting in junior hockey that I've learned over the years is um, if you have if you have special players um, like Guelph should be able to recruit very well now because they had you got Nick Suzuki. So you come in and you point, you bring a kid and you say Nick Suzuki played here. You watch him play for Montreal. He's one of Montreal's best players. That that goes so far in recruiting. So you got to take advantage of that. I know, I know uh, when the Knights were looking for, you know, the Knights are known for, Oh, they get all the American players. Well, why do they get the American players? Cause Patrick Kane was here, right? They got Patrick Kane to come here. And then every American player that watched Patrick Kane on TV, where did he play? London Knights. They keep mentioning it and they bring him in and, and they're like, and they get Patrick Kane to call the kid and say, you know what? You'd like to be, you, you know, I had a great time here. You'd like to play in London too. So they recruit like a NCAA Kind of like a, they brought that collegiate kind of recruiting style that you see in football, like University of Michigan and all the SEC schools and all that. They they bring that style of recruiting here, and uh, you know you either keep up uh, for the other teams, all, all the other teams in the league, you keep up or you get left behind. And that's why the Knights are good. Uh, obviously, they got the big rink and the, and they draw a lot of revenue from that. But you know some of the things you hear about about the about the team that um, you know fans will say, "Wow, they got the pick of anybody they want." Well, they work at it. You know, so I got a lot of respect for them for that. You know, they, they, they work at it. And then people say they got the referees in the pocket. I hear that all the time. They got the referees in the pocket. And I actually wrote a story early in the year showing how, you know, they, they, they had way more penalties than uh, power penalty kills than power plays. And everybody, everybody went bananas, right? Because they, they think because the Knights do well off the ice that they should be punished for it on the ice right? with, yes. with special treatment. So it's interesting to see. Uh, but I love the rivalries. It's um, 
you know, I, I love uh, going to see Owen Sound once in a while, and uh, it's hard to drive up there in the winter time. But um, you know, it's a it's a great atmosphere up there. Kitchener is obviously second to none. I, I love uh, you know, like I said before, the Guelph organization, and when when they're going, they get their their, their crowds are loud and proud, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a tremendous. Uh, I, I'd never want to be anywhere else but the OHL Western Conference because. Uh, you see a lot of great hockey here and you see a lot of great players. You, I, I can name a million of them, but you start with Connor McDavid, right? He, yeah. he was here. I got to watch him for three years and watch him not play like three or four times, like 20, 30 times, which is, uh, which is, which is pretty special. Definitely. Hey, one thing also too, that helps um, is st- with stability is stability with the organization. Like with the Knights, you think of Dill and Mark Hunter, the storm right now seem to have the stability with George Burnett. That kind of helps too with recruiting. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, who does, you know, if you if you want to play for George Burnett, he's like third or fourth all time uh, in OHL coaching wins. He's done it for 30 years. You know, I remember growing up watching George Burnett as a young man coaching, you know, Niagara Falls and all, all these great players on that team. So, I mean, the guy's been, been all over the league a million times and he knows how to, how to run an organization. And yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. You bring in young guys and, you know, you, you want to have a mentor for them, right? Because I, it's either learn, learn, uh, crash and burn, uh, by, by trial, by error. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, like look, get your lumps that way or learn from a respected person and, uh, and, 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 you know, have it be passed down. I know what the nights that's, uh, that's happening. Like Dale, obviously it's going to stay in the family for many years, many generations to come of the team, but, um, you see Dylan Hunter and Rick Stedman on the bench. Uh, Rick Stedman obviously uh, uh, went to Guelph when uh, one of the most interesting trades I ever saw was, uh, you know, he was traded in the Memorial Cup year, right? Like uh, Lennon had the Memorial Cup in 05 and they traded their own nephew. The Hunters traded their own nephew to Guelph, uh, you know, you know, to get, to, to get, um, you, you know, to, to help them, uh, you know, they ended up getting Dan Girardi and uh, Adam Dennis, right? Dennis, uh, yeah. That year, which basically they needed to, cement things but um you know a, a t- they're they're uh, the, you know at one point dale's going to get too old to ride the bus to Sault saint marie and, and sudbury and all that and he he's gonna get sick and tired of it uh, I, it's not going to happen anytime soon i don't think but you know maybe when he's 70 uh, 70 years old or something like uh, brian Kilray, and uh, he'll pass it on to to dylan and rick uh, to run the team and he expects them to work just as hard as uh, him and mark have over the last 20 years so um, and one interesting story is I was um, I, I kind of covered the team. Jim Cressman, the great London Free Press uh, uh, sports reporter, covered the team uh, the nights many, many years, uh, decades. And obviously, I'm in my second decade now covering the team. But uh, at the time, uh, early on, when the Hunters bought the team, uh, Lindsey Hofford was the head coach, and uh, and they were going to fire him. And so they oh they made him the assistant coach and and so I was remember I was at practice and I said uh, to Dale who's the new coach and he said you're looking at him <laughs> that's all he said and so he took over and then never missed a beat and you know he reel, reels off 45 to 50 wins every year and he always has a competitive team and like he goes you, you say that that consistency the kids know what to expect and they can't you, you don't get in a battle the agents uh, the parents why get in a battle with the London Knights um, if your kid's not playing enough or whatever? Because hey, you don't have an, you don't have much of an argument because these guys have done it and look at the players they've they've turned out right. Definitely, and and they really turned around the franchise when they took it over in what two thousand two thousand and one. 
Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you think five years ago, the London Knights were uh, five years before that. The London Knights had the worst record in the history of of junior hockey, right? Three sixty and three. It was a it was a terrible team, and they had hard hardly any OHL uh, NHL prospects. And now it seems like I, I think um, it was last year that they passed Peterborough for the most NHL draft picks uh, wow. cumulatively in in history. So uh, you know what, Chris? It's been fun. Uh, you know, you, you watch these kids go and play and then you watch them. Uh, I like to watch the NHL too when I get a, a few minutes and, you know, look who I get to see, right? The guys I, yeah. I covered for the most part. I watch the Leafs, uh, you know, not just because they're in Toronto and that's all, you know, you get on free TV, right? But, uh, you know, I, I like to watch Mitch Marner and I like to watch John Tavares and yeah. and it, it's that sort of thing, right? Uh, you, you, you know, you have guys that you – that you you know you kind of you watch them grow up and you want to you, you want to see them do well right and there's uh, it's the same thing uh, you know as a London as a Londoner like seeing Nick Suzuki um, it's, it's a junior a former junior night that's a lot of or Nazem Kadri what a year he's having he's yes. could win the scoring title this year if the Edmonton guys slow down right like um, that's a lot of pride for there's hometown pride and then there's pride in the in the local club too club yeah yeah and isaac ratcliffe is from london as well so yeah and he scored his first nhl goal and he, you know he's out there hitting and and getting yeah. shots and yeah. you know obviously philly's not where they want to be right they they made some you know it's kind of a transitional thing and i hope isaac gets to be part of that transition and play and have a long uh, nhl career yeah, and even just doing the camera work for Rogers TV for the Gulf Storm games, uh, I get to see behind the scenes with the players and that, and you start to get to know the players too as human beings. And 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 like you just said, it's great when you see them get into the NHL. It's like, hey, I saw them when they were here, and and see how much they've developed. Oh yeah, like absolutely, and uh, you know, yeah, it's for, for the behind the scenes stuff. It's the maturity. Uh, you, you know, you see kids come in at sixteen, and some of them are you know, like deer in headlights kind of thing. And, you know, by the time they're 18, they, they got it figured out 18, 19, they're ready to move on to the next level. And, and it's awesome seeing them, uh, seeing them make an impact on the game at, at that high level. And, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, there's a million examples, right. But, um, you, you know, you, you see, and you see the kids there, you see what they have to work on, right. Like um, I, I remember Luke Evangelista, um, coming in at 16 he, he was like a skinny little guy and barely played and frustrated he wasn't playing um he only played about 30 games that first year and never scored and look at him now like um, and one of the nicest kids uh, I always say this um you, you know there's uh, there's kids you kind of get to get to know a little a little more and um obviously he's he's one of those guys like uh, what an example for uh, he's a Nashville pick and uh he looks like he's going to be an NHL player and uh, he's obviously doing great things in the, in the league this year. And, you know, to, to think about where, where he came from. I remember Mitch Marner at, um, you know, the hit before his big year, he, 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 I remember him going home in tears with this. Um, he had a terrible game and he, he didn't think he was doing very well. A bit of a slump at the start of uh, uh, one, one of his last years. And he went, he went home and said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then, um, you know, he took the weekend off and obviously came back with a different attitude and hasn't really stopped scoring since. So, uh, you know, kudos to these guys and, and obviously the teams for the support they show them. Uh, you know, there, there's obviously examples over the years where players were mishandled or mistreated or misunderstood. Um, but, you know, like I would say those are mostly in the minority. Uh, they're, they're small, uh, kind of the 
the things in the media that we jump on are the are the, you know the exceptions to the rule and that sort of thing, right? That's that's what we got. I think in the OHL, uh, it, you know, they do a pretty good job of uh, training out good young men. Well, and I was going to say, I'm a Red Wings fan, and I'm so happy with the Storm City line. And and some of them in Detroit act surprised, and I'm like, um, I have to admit, Tyler Bertuzzi, when he came to Guelph, I was like, uh, you know what, he's only in the league because of his last name. But you know what, that, that young guy worked his ass off and made himself into a star player. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he was a, he was a pain in the butt. Uh, he, he always got around. He knew how to play the game. Obviously, yep. some of that is from the family lineage, but he had to make his own way himself. And yep. uh, yeah, that line's great. And um, I, I see good things for the Red Wings in the future here. Uh, obviously, I haven't gone to the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't gone to Little Caesars Arena, but I, I can't wait to go uh, at some That's point nice. here. I used to. Yeah, I used to go to Joe Lewis all the time. So all kinds of things. But um, I, I hear it's a ridiculous place to be. So yes, nice I was see that happen. I was able to go before the pandemic, and they did beat the Leafs three two in overtime. So it, it's a really nice arena. I just don't know if I'd want to sit up in the high level because it's quite steep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few. The old style buildings were like that, right? They're trying yes. to maximize yeah. people's view, right? I hate. I hate. Um, I I like going in the press boxes in the OHL for the most part, like. Guelph and London are good examples. I, I can actually hear, um, you know, the, some of the stuff on the ice. I, I like being a lot lower in the NHL. I, I've covered NHL games, and it is like that. It's like you're you're at the in the ceiling, right? And you're looking straight down. You can see all the plays develop, but you know it might as well be on Mars, right? The games. Uh, there's no you don't get the blood, sweat, and tears, which is why I got in this business, right? To, to understand more. Anybody can watch it on TV, but you know, to kind of understand what the guys go through and, you know, you know, on a, on a daily basis and follow a team uh, on a daily basis. Uh, that's the best part. And I, I, I got that early. I grew up in the Sioux, Chris, uh, Sioux St. Marie. And that's um, where I was yeah, born. You know, I, one of my best friends and I, you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know what it's like. And look, we both moved away. Right. So, uh, but it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great city. And, um, you know, so in 1985, I would have been about nine years old, and they had um, they had an amazing team. They had Bob Probert and a bunch of guys, and Terry um, Chris Jeff, was a head coach. Terry Chris, yeah, you know it. Yeah. So uh, they went 33 and 0 at home, and I went to a lot of the games. Like I want to say, I went to 20, 20 plus of the games, and had, you had an ice cream bar and watched one of the best teams in junior hockey uh, every night. And you know, obviously, uh, I had gone you know before when I was even littler, but that around nine, 10 years old. That's a good, for junior hockey, that's, uh, if you can get kids in there. And that's, I think we missed that the last two years, right? Those nine and 10 year olds that you, you know, dad or mom, bring them to a grandpa, bring them to a game. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, they they start to, you know, I know you look at the names on the jerseys and then you start to figure out about them and then you collect their hockey cards and yeah. that's how you create fans, right? So it'll be a really interesting to see what comes out of this after these last two years, because, you know, I know now um, with, with vaccinations and stuff, uh, I, I was looking, it's a lot of older people in London right now. You know, it's all season ticket holders at the moment. So, um, you know, hopefully there's um, some of these teams that have long playoff runs or they'll, they'll get some kids in the building because that's that's where the passion for the game starts. And it'd be terrible to lose that passion for junior hockey in, in, these, um, in these cities that don't have NHL teams. 
Yeah, and um, I started with the OHL back, I'm old, back in 81 and 82 when the Gulf Platers uh, were an expansion franchise. And to me, the 81-82 Platers were, were still the worst. I know they won seven games, but to me, that was the worst uh, Junior A team I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. But you know what? Guelph was just so happy to have a Junior A team back. And as a 9, 10-year-old kid at the time, I was like, Oh, Al McKenna, Scott Stevens, Brian Bellows. So I've really been connected with the OHL for 40 years and been really lucky to, have, for the most part, to have junior hockey in Guelph most of my life since I've been yeah, in Guelph. Yeah, and the play, and you know what? Those players team, that was bad, but you probably remember all the guys on the team almost. And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and look, five, six years later, they were the Memorial Cup okay. winners, right, with Jacques Martin. And, uh, and Gary, Gary Roberts. Yeah, Gary, Gary Roberts. Yeah. Gary Roberts, uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Gary Roberts. And I remember the one Leaf, I mean, it was one of the last times the Leafs were out of the first round, right? Like, uh, he was a force, right? So what, what a great career. And now he's training the next generation, right? So I love that, too. I mean, uh, you know, it's a real thrill for me to um, not only cover the league, but I remember um, one of the last times I went to Guelph before the pandemic, you know, I... I go downstairs to do the pregame interviews with the, you know, you know, with the Knights and there's sitting there on the table, there's uh, Bobby Orr, right? Cause he represents somebody on the team and all that. And it's, you know, it's, you never know who you're going to see at the rink in, in junior hockey. And I would say, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, movers and shakers that come to uh, how many GMs and big, big presidents. And uh, I remember sitting up in a press box with the Oilers brass one time, uh, in in St. Catharines, uh, they're 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 watching who they're going to pick next in the in the draft for their first round pick, and uh, the whole crew was there. And you, you know, you see you see so many uh, people involved in the game. I seen Ken Holland uh, obviously a million times too in the in the rinks. So uh, you know, you know, it's not much different. The NHL teams aren't run; uh, they're just the scale, right, a high bigger scale, but they're not much run much different than OHL team. And, Hey, the, the scouts and the GMs got to get out there and, and watch the next generation of players. Yeah, definitely. As a young kid, uh, when when it was the old golf players, uh, Bobby Clark, I met as a kid in the stands, uh, George Armstrong, uh, Terry Crisp, uh, and then it, just recently in Guelph, Chris Pronger and Chris Draper from the Red Wings. And and these guys were nice enough to talk to me for 10, 15 minutes and let me get a picture with them. And it's just, yeah, I'm still, I'm like a kid when I go back into a rink. Yeah, yeah, no, no, there's no better place, right? Like, and I, you know, if I could spend my whole career here uh, doing this, it'd be, you know, you know I, I'd look back at it as, as pretty, I grew up in a rink, I played hockey and all that. And, you know, I, I enjoy, I enjoy still being there. And, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a great place to be, but you never know, you, you, you know, that I, I learned from the pandemic that when you step in a rink, don't take it for granted, because it might be the last time for a long time, right? So, I really missed it last year. I, you know, I, as, as uh, usually February, March, you're like, Oh my God, there's season so long. Can we just get on to the playoffs now kind of thing and get to the end of March. But, you know, I, I'll never complain about that this year because uh, you know, it's been a long time and it's, uh, I know the kids uh, even they're not going to complain about it playing every second day because uh, they, they missed the full year last year. Right. Yeah, and I, I missed over a year and a half of uh, doing camera work, volunteering with Rogers TV, and and I'm just trying to catch up. And now every game we're there, the crew, we have a good crew in golf, and, and it's just nice to be around people again, around the players, and around fans when there's fans in the arena. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, 
You're 100% right. I I miss the fans. It was so weird covering the games with nobody in the building and just, you know, there's it's a goal the and you're used to, when you see that goal for, you know, when you, you there's about to be a goal, you're like, okay, you know, people stand up and then they start cheering and there was nothing, just the referee pointing to the, you know, pointing the, to, to signal a goal. And it was, uh, it, it was, it was brutal. So I'm, I'm glad we're kind of getting through that and hopefully, uh, hopefully move past it and uh, everything's clear sailing, but uh you read the news reports and you never know, right? So I guess we should just enjoy it while we can. Okay. Are you okay for a few more minutes? I don't, I just wanted to Yeah, get sure. Go ahead, Chris. Whatever okay. else you want to talk about. Okay, no problem. Um, I was going to ask you, how did you end up with the London Free Press? And what, what, what has it been like working in the London market and covering the Knights all these years and the Ontario Hockey League? Yeah, so when when I I, I always wanted to be a, a, a you know a sports report a report a newspaper reporter and uh, um and, and I wanted to cover sports so that, that was um, a long time goal of mine since high school so you know I went to I went to school I went to University of Waterloo and I studied English and professional writing and then I uh, I, I got a job out in Calgary at the Calgary Sun and I got to when I was just like 21 and I got to immerse myself in all kinds of sports out there. And then I went to Winnipeg and became the sports columnist uh, about 22 years ago, 23 years ago. And uh, I, I worked in Winnipeg for uh, almost two years. And uh, then, uh, you know, my I, I was married and uh, we moved back to Ontario and I, I uh, was looking for jobs and uh, I was lucky to get one in London. I had a few connections there and I got one in, in London and, uh, you know, so I, I pretty much did this, uh, and then uh, I wasn't on the night's beat to start. Like I said, Jim Cressman, the great hockey writer, was was there, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, I did other stuff. I did all kinds of other sports, just like at my other uh, previous stops, and 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 loved it, and uh, and still do. Like um, you, you know, one thing you got to know, Chris, uh, in the newspaper business, it's really changed. Uh, when I started, there was probably six, seven. Uh, people in in the in just the sports department, and now I'm the sports department. I'm, I'm the only person left, so I got to wait. I, as much as I enjoy covering junior hockey and the nights, I have to. Um, I, I also have to spend other time doing other stuff as well. You know, covering basketball games and uh, you know auto racing and and baseball and all that stuff, which I I thoroughly enjoy too. But um, you know, the Knights are, and London's a good sports town. Yeah, you know, they just won the Intercounty Baseball Championship. I, I was out in Quebec City for the Vanier Cup. The Western Mustangs won the Vanier Cup. They had another great year. Greg Marshall, fantastic coach. I, I loved covering the football team for many years. Uh, and then I, when I got the Knights, I had to kind of give that up. Otherwise, I would have not seen my family on the weekends, right? I'd be gone all weekend. So I... Uh, I gave that up and it was nice to cover it this year. Uh, I don't know how, if I could do it long-term anymore, but uh, uh, you know, I got a chance to do it and it was uh, fantastic. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, the Knights, uh, you know, to me, it's one of the great markets in junior hockey. You see like how, how many franchises get eight, 9,000 people every game consistently over and over and over for year after year after year. Um, and, and people, and it's a, the brand of the London Knights has, win, has become winning. That's their, what they're synonymous with, and that's what the fans expect. And when they don't see winning, they get restless. You know, it's not like uh, you, you know, like rebuilding teams or the Leafs, where they make excuses for you know, uh, oh, you know, Jack Campbell had a bad night, but we love him. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, no, no, yeah. you, you, you win, or you, you know, I think one of the great examples of that was when Patrick Maroon was was a knight. He was a, obviously a phenomenal player, 
Um, and, and, you know, he led the Knights in scoring in his one year, but the, the team lost to in the first round in five games to Guelph and uh, Drew Doughty, <laughs> hometown kid, uh, yep. killed them in that series. And uh, yeah, so everyone's like, oh, you know, but I always see everybody appreciates Patrick Maroon now that either like, well, at the time it was like, I can't get him out of the first round, uh, uh, you know, what kind of leadership and all that. But as, as time went on, you know, you see how much character he had and he's, uh, hey, he's won three Stanley Cups in a row. So, and could, could get a fourth, right. With Corey Perry there and what a great team Tampa has. So, um, you, you know, it's worked out just fine for Patrick Maroon, <laughs> but he learned a lot in London and learned how to lead a team while he was there. And, uh, you know, those lessons are invaluable as, especially now that he's out of a vintage, you know, he's 33, 34, and, um, you know, just, just uh, the, like we talked about earlier, the number of players that, you know, I enjoy watching Matt Kachuk play and uh, Dvorak, Josh Anderson, you know, so proud of him. What a great story. Signed as a free agent uh, with the Knights, you know, wasn't even drafted. The OHL was way too small, you know, like could say he was only 120, 130 pounds. The last guy you think would become like a power forward, a high paid power forward in the NHL, but there he was, uh, Great last year in the playoffs, uh, early part of the playoffs. And, you know, there he was beating the Leafs again the other night. Uh, you, you know, like, uh, um, you know, guys like that, right? You know, you really you really root for them. Uh, you know, the number one picks are the number one picks, the first rounders. You know, you expect them to get a chance, but it's those, it's always those unsung heroes that pop up that you, you know, you love to cover. And that's those guys are usually the best stories. And, uh, and goalies, too. I love covering goalies. We've got a great goalie. You know, I, uh, Owen Bennett to me is an interesting story because he keeps beating the Knights and you keep looking at his numbers and you're like, wow, it's, uh, he's way below 900 save percentage. What's going on there? But obviously a good goalie and Brett Brochu. Yes. Uh, nobody in the NHL looks at him, but he keeps reeling off wins while on the world junior team gets, gets to play. I, I've seen a few examples of uh, that over the years. I think of Michael Hauser. Uh, he was yes. one of my favorite Kids, I remember driving down to Pittsburgh in, in one of the summers and uh, spending some time with him at the at the Pirates game. We uh, I, I got tickets um, and and we went uh, I went with him and his brother and we went to the Pirates game and I, I wrote a story just talking about what it was like growing up in Pittsburgh and how different it is from London and I, I'll never forget that it was uh, ten years ago and I'll never forget that and it was you know great to see him like when the sabers did use him you know he usually won or did something good right and it is his time so uh yeah it's been uh it, it's been great i guess it would be kind of like um teaching high school a bit like i'm not teaching the kids anything except maybe how to do an interview or you know how to answer questions but um you know kind of like teaching high school and you know, a teacher sees the guys oh you know you're a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist or you know, working at the steel plant or coaching a hockey team or something like that. Like that's, uh, that, that's kind of the, the feeling I get when the guys come back. Right. And, uh, and you get to get to see them and ask them about what's going on and kind of staying in the NHL loop. But I guess the OHL and the NHL are connected. They're, they're so very connected and, uh, and in, not only in the on ice, like the rules of the game and all that, but um, you know, the, how, how the, the kids watch the NHL every night and then they try to, mimic with the with the good things they saw right and try to avoid the bad things they saw 
Definitely. And I really hope Michael Hauser gets a legitimate chance because I like seeing stories like that. Not just because he played for London. It's because I like seeing underdogs and, and people work their butts and, may, and make it. Even in um, what I'm trying to do with radio, trying to get into this industry at a, a later age in life as well. The underdog stories. I love those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. You're an underdog story. You know, that's uh, and you underdogs, they work. They got to work hard. Right. You know, yeah. they, they, nobody gets handed. Nobody gets handed anything. And that's um, that's what it is like to play for the London Knights. You know, they you got to earn every shift. Um, if you're a big draft pick, you'll get your shot. But if you're not performing, man, you're gonna sit in the stands or you're gonna sit on the bench and watch the older guys or the guys that are performing play, right? And uh, you, you see, I'm sure in Guelph and all that, they're like, oh my God, look at Evangelista. He's on the ice 25, 30 minutes a game. But you know, you got to go back to when he was 16 and seven, uh, 16 and didn't play at all. You know, he earned that right to play these minutes, right? And be out there for two minutes on the power play and all that. At the first, I used to be like, ah, that's too long and all that. But, you know, I, I think it is at the NHL level to play, spend two minutes on a power play. But at the OHL level, the, the guys are in pretty good shape. <laughs> and they got their whole career ahead of them. So they, they don't mind uh, ripping off a few long shifts here and there. Right? Definitely. Um, are you okay for two more questions, Ryan? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. No problem. I could probably talk to you for two, three hours, not just about the OHL, but other sports too. Uh, this one, I was just going to ask you, how has Logan Mayu fit in with the Knights as a top tier defenseman so far? Yeah. So everybody knows uh, Logan Mayu's um, the saga of Logan Mayu. Um, some people don't even think he should be in the league this year. They should be, um, you know, suspension should have been longer. You know, he, he got half a year. Uh, he sat out, half a year he, he went through you know training um he, he had a, a psychologist and um you know kind of a sports therapist we'll, we'll say and um he did all that training he sat out he practiced he went to the rink every day he had to account for himself and so he he came back in the lineup and you know obviously um i want i've got to see him more than a lot of people have seen him because you know i saw him play in the junior b nationals the year that they did have hockey and, um, but before the pandemic and then also, um, you know, the in practice and, um, he, he's the best player on the nights. Like, uh, uh, he, he makes a huge, he's a huge difference maker. He's the most talented guy. He's, he's as strong as an ox. Uh, people ask me what he's like. I'd say on ice, he's like John Carlson of the Washington Capitals. I think he has that kind of upside that, um, you know, as a controversial pick that as that, what was, if you stripped all that away, I see why, a team would, would, you know, want a player like that because um, they only come around so many times, uh, you know, every draft kind of thing. Right. So um, I, I think he's fit in really well. Of course, he's, he's, um, he, he ran into, um, he played a few games. He's got, he had eight points in six games and then uh, he got hurt in a warm up. He was, uh, you know, it's not even the people think on ice warm up. No, it was like, you know, when the kids, um, you know, they go, they go out and they run around and they kick a soccer ball around. And, you know, if you've been in a rink uh, yes. before a game, they kind of, yeah, they call it sewer ball or whatever. Yeah. And he's running, run, they run around and, upstep, and and just get themselves loose for the game. And he got, he got hurt doing that. He hurt his leg. And uh, so, so he's been out. And then the, uh, when he did come back on, on January 1st, there was no games to play because they were, it was at that time they were canceling them. And he had a couple weeks where, he, you know, he couldn't play. So he's, he's played very limited, but I, I think once people see him play a lot more, they will probably share the assessment that, 
yeah, he's one of the best defensemen in, in the OHL. And, um, you know, I watched uh, in Guelph, I watched a young guy like Cameron Allen. Uh, obviously I knew about him coming out of the U16 ranks, but, um, you know, I think he's going to be a special player. Just watching what he's doing at 16. Uh, you know, Logan Mayu didn't really get to play. He played three or four games at age 16. So, uh, you know, I think Allen's one of those guys that could be one of these, you know, money. What do you, what do you say? Like uh, Drew Doughty, you know, like caliber 30 minute defenseman's kind of thing. And I, you know, Logan, Logan Mayu will show at the end of this year that if anything else, he's capable of, of playing 30 minutes. Um, I, I don't, I haven't, been allowed at this point that we're talking i haven't been allowed to interview him but you know i've talked to obviously everybody around him uh no, nobody's got to interview him but um you know so that's one thing um and obviously we're gonna ask like you know like um about his maturity level and stuff like that and what the fall was like um you, you know that sort of thing when when we do get that opportunity so um you know it's been interesting but yeah talent wise uh, you know, he, 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 someone uh, was telling me that in practice, if you want to know how hard a shot he has, he, that he, he took a shot and it actually broke a guy's block, one of the goalies blockers in half. And they had, they had to, he, he's a very powerful player. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. And, and then if he's back here uh, again next year, um, you, you know, playing for London, uh, you know, I, I think that's probably what will happen. And, uh, you know, probably the way the Knights have supported you know, like his personal development, I think that's probably a good idea rather than throwing him into an apartment somewhere in, in a, a pro city kind of thing. It'd probably be, um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next six months. And that's another thing. Uh, maybe the next time, if you come on, uh, how important billet families are towards the development of these players too, off the ice as well is just as important on the ice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Billets are, Billets are everything. They're they're your parents. If you're away from home, they're 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 your de facto parents, right? I, I billeted for um, you know being from the Sioux. I played and played junior hockey down south, and I billeted for three years. And um, you know it's it's an integral it's an integral part of these kids' development. And billets you know don't get enough credit, obviously, uh, for what they do. And uh, you know one of the, my favorite stories the last couple of years is Saginaw and uh, Winnipeg Cole Perfetti. Uh, the forward, uh, he, he when he, he had a when he was in Oshawa, his family billeted uh, billeted a player, and it, the name escapes me, but it was a it was an awesome player. <laughs> I I can't remember who it was now, but um, you know, and he he learned from that kid, and uh, obviously now he's a he's a fantastic player. So uh, uh, yeah, billet families have uh, they, they they don't have just um, the, the players uh, they give something back to the families as well they uh, if they have young young kids there right they're a bit of a role model for them and the kids get to see how hard the guys work and how much time they spend at the rink and hopefully at school and uh, that's important for any kid to see uh, to have an example like that in the teenage years and sometimes the fans i used to as well forget the, the these guys that are playing the ohl are still teenagers or young men and they're still developing too and their character and that and it's like and and that's why the billet families are so important too off the ice as well yeah yeah no I, you can't stress that enough and it, you, you know every it, it's sometimes hard to get billets especially in some of the smaller centers and i know with covid you know it probably wasn't easy to get billets 
Um, you know, the last this year, if people are concerned about, you know, high school age, college age kids coming into their home. But from what I heard, that hasn't been a massive problem in some of the centers. So, you know, you know, that's that that's that's good and uh, uh you know because you need them and they're very important parts of the organization and uh you know because you can't just put them in a college dorm and call it a day and just have them come to the rink you need them around families in that family atmosphere it's uh it's a huge it's a huge part of keeping you know keeping those guys on the schedule and eating well too right Make, mm-hmm. making sure they eat, eat the way they're supposed to eat because they I can tell you, even a normal teenager that doesn't play sports that eats a lot of food mm-hmm. <laughs> as they're growing, so yes. and, and and learning. So yeah, these guys, uh, these guys will eat you out of house and home. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, just two quick questions I want to ask you, Ryan. I'm going to put you on the spot with this one. Uh, this one I, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's your pick right now, currently, to meet up in the 2022 OHL Championship West versus East Champions and Quick thoughts on the three stars, because lately on Twitter, I've been reading people complaining about the three stars. I, I don't really worry about the three stars of a game anymore. So I just wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, sure. Okay, I'll do the first. Uh, so quickly, um, I, I haven't seen anything better than Hamilton in the East. Uh, I'd be surprised if they get beat. And um, on the West, I'll, I'll go with Windsor, even though in the standings, it doesn't look like it. But I I, I think they... Uh, I've been really impressed with them. I'd like to see Flint a few more times to see if they're like for real. I know they have got a real, the Flint and Sioux have a real good offense, but I want to see if they can keep the pocket out of the net. And uh, London's London's good too. Uh, very, they'll be very good defensively and hard to score on. I'm not sure they have enough scoring, but uh, Windsor's got more scoring than they do. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. It should be a great playoffs. And yeah, the three stars, um, we have a lot of fun with that. Um, yeah. In L- London, it's a bit notorious. And I, I, I want people to know I don't pick the stars in, in London. Um, a lot of times that went to the media pe- person in, in okay. uh, across the thing. And yeah, if uh, you know, some places like uh, they, they let the media people take it in London, they pick it themselves because it's a promotion and they do um, they, whoever the stars of the game are, they bring kids down to, and they have a stick uh, and for them to be a signed stick to give and pose for a picture. And, you know, that's, that's important to them. And that's why you see them pick more London Knights than opposing players. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you, if to me, if it's close, close game, give one team, two stars and the other, the one star, you know, if it's close game, if it's an eight, nothing blow. Yeah. Pick all three from, there's a few little rules. And I think uh, Mike Farwell and Kitchener's covered that pretty well. You know, you know, I know he, he picks them in, in Kitchener. So that it's close to his heart. I, again, yeah, I don't, I don't care um, either. I, when, when I was growing up, I, I didn't stick around for the stars. I had somewhere else to go. So, yeah, you know, yeah. so we had to beat the traffic home and, uh, or whatever, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't really care either, but you know, I like to, I, I like to see three stars as a tradition and I yeah. don't mind it, you know, player of the game in the international, that's fine. You know, player of the game. Uh, you know, for each team or whatever, that's, that's cool too. Whatever they we want to do. But, you know, I, I remember growing up and three stars were like, they actually kept like the point totals and that, and they'd be, they'd have it in the league. You know, I think Molson sponsored it. Right. And it was yeah, like, Molson cup three stars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back so that, I think it was a bigger bit of a bigger deal. Right. But yes. um, yeah, now it's like, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they should let the kids pick the, get, you know, find as we talk about kid friendly in the rink, go get a, couple 12 year olds and let them pick the stars. I think they do that on hometown hockey, right? 
So that's uh, actually that's actually a really great idea, Ryan, to get the young kids more involved in it. I think that's a definitely a, an idea the league should look at. Yeah, or vote. You know what? Social media. I I, I don't mind saying uh, you know vote on the three star if you can do it. Technology, like technology, maybe do a Twitter poll uh, with ten minutes left and say who are the three stars of the game or something like that. You could, and then you you know whoever if it if it's not ridiculous and they're voting for like a guy that's minus four or something like that. And you can kind of do that too, but Definitely. yeah, that's, that means uh, that's, that's the small hill of beans there. <laughs> that's for Definitely. sure. Definitely. Um, one last question I wanted to ask you, cause I've kept you probably more than 40, 45 minutes. I uh, just wanted to ask you any advice for those looking to pursue a career in journalism and where can my audience again, find you on social media? Yeah. So I, I really, um, I've, I've kind of, my social media i've gone down to my my twitter account ryan at lf press uh, you can find me there that's what i use the most I, I have a facebook page like everybody else and instagram but uh i'm not a picture taker too much unless it's for my job um and so uh, yeah so find me on twitter and then um yeah I, for <laughs> i got a ton of advice for for people uh, trying to make a career in journalism but you know one thing that always served me well is to be, be available if you know don't don't pass up an assignment especially early in your career like if they say hey you got a chance to go to a you know a softball game or something like that you know between uh old timers or something well you know what go to it don't complain go to it and you might get a great story out of it right some of the great best stories i've ever heard or or written were at things that i didn't expect to go to right and then you know you just keep uh, building up your contact base and keep shaking hands and meeting people and, and being nice, you know, because I think there's a lot of, Chris, there's a lot of distrust in the media right now. And people say fake news, uh, Donald Trump kind of started that It's kind of leaked mm -hmm. up here too. But most of the people that I've worked up in my career are trustworthy people. And they're just trying to tell a story, a good story. And that, that's what, that's what drives everybody. And I know it's like that in radio. It's like that in TV. You want to entertain people. You want to inform them. And that you got to keep those at the, I don't think there's, I, I think the people that, you know, jump on, on a political slant or, you know, fight for this cause as their main way of getting into journalism. I, I don't, I think that's, and that, that's going to be a one-way street and you're going to have a short career. If you're going to have a long career, make sure you're versatile and, and consume as much books and newspapers and, you know, obviously online as, as, as much as you can. As a sports fan, that's easy because we look for it, right? But, you know, make sure you're well-versed and read the news. And, you know, that, that's the best. If you read in the, the paper or you're reading a, a bunch of sites every day, you'll, you'll um, get that versatility in your toolbox that, you know, when, when, when you're trying to start conversations, because it's, it's asking questions like you, you asked me today, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's a real craft that you got developed over t over time it's the tool of the trade it's not easy to ask sometimes you ask bad questions and don't be discouraged because sometimes the best answers come out of terrible questions so don't you know just learn from that experience and if people yell at you because you're gonna get yelled at i get yelled at all the time but uh you know you keep you, you you have thick skin and you put it behind you and and you keep going and you just enjoy it and when if you don't enjoy journalism is one of those passion things if you don't enjoy it then that's when it's time to leave. If you wake up in the morning, you're like, ah, I got to go to another hockey game or I, I got to go run the camera at the Gulf Storm game. Then you're not in it for the right reasons and you should uh, let somebody else 
who has that passion, do it, right? So keep having the passion. And I know that's when I'm done. If I don't want to go watch the Knights or go watch a basketball game or a baseball game, then that's then I'm out of there. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, like you said, I'm just trying to get him. I'm just trying to improve every podcast show. And um, I've learned from my guests like Eric Smith and, and Jerry Howard too, to do your homework and, and, and make the conversations with your guests. Like we're talking at the arena or at the Sleeman or the Budweiser gardens and just try to make it more like that. Instead of when I first started this Ryan two years ago, it was all scripted, everything. And I've learned from a lot of the guests and I'm just trying to improve every show. Yeah, you're, yeah, no, it's it's great, and yeah, it, it never hurts to have a, a scripted question or two to go. But don't be afraid to follow up if something pops in your head that you want to ask. That's that's what you do, and that's what makes great podcast, and that's what makes great for great stories storytelling. Right, is to maybe go off that beaten path a little bit and 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 find something out interesting. That's that's what we all live for, right? So. Definitely. And uh, I was going to say, uh, maybe if you do come back on again in the future, we can talk more about Major League Baseball and the Detroit Tigers and Lou Whitaker finally, hopefully will get his number one retired uh, in August when it should have been done two years ago. Poor Lou, man. <laughs> yeah, him and Trammell, uh, him and Trammell should have went in together for sure. Like so many double plays. And hey, I just well, as I let you go here, um, I was in Erie for the 2015 uh, OHL championship and uh, if everybody's been to the Erie uh, Insurance Arena, it's connected to the, um, the the ball the ball field where the uh, Tigers farm team plays. Sea Wolves, um, yeah, the Sea Wolves. And so I was there in '15, and I was just standing outside the rink because it was a nice day. Because by then it's middle of May, right? And uh, Lance Parrish and, and Alan Trammell walked by, and and with their coaches. And uh, I, so you know, I had to take the opportunity and stop and talk to them. And uh, and I, I said, I said to him, I said, uh, but at the end of, you know, asking him a few questions and stuff, I said, have you ever gone to an Erie Otters game? And uh, Trammy says, uh, no, you, you know what, I've come here a bunch of times and I've, I've never gone in the building. And I said, go in the building. I said, while you're here, get in there for the play, one of these playoff games and watch this kid, Connor McDavid, because I said, you won't regret it. He'll be, I said, he'll be in three or four years, he'll be, like a Wayne Gretzky, Sidney Crosby type player in the in the NHL, and he, he laughed. And you know, I hope he went. I never saw I never saw him because I was in the press box. And I, I hope uh, Alan Trammell got to see Connor McDavid play hockey on on my suggestion. <laughs> I, I, I'm just hoping one day I can get Alan Trammell or even Lou Whitaker on my podcast. That's one of my goals to to get one of my idols to come on my show and and talk about the curves and that. But uh, we'll see. So I'm just going to have to keep working at it. But that's one of my goals is hopefully one day to be able to talk to Tram or our sweet Lou. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I, I'll watch that podcast over and over again if you get them on. Okay, definitely. <laughs> Ryan, I, I probably kept you over what I was supposed to, but I just wanted to say I really enjoyed speaking with you tonight. And uh, I definitely would like to have you on as a guest again in the future. Yeah, yeah. Any, anytime, Chris. And uh, I guess we'll see you at the, at the Sleeman Center soon. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Um, anyways, have a great night, Ryan, and we'll definitely keep in touch on social media. Yeah, take care. You too. Good night, Ryan. Good night. Good night. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast with Ryan Payette. He's a journalist and writer for the London Free Press in London, Ontario, and he also covers the uh, London Knights and the Ontario Hockey League as well. And speaking of the Ontario Hockey League, guys, you can check out their website, OntarioHockeyLeague.com. 
com or you can check out the london knights.com as well and speaking of those london knights uh they have three road games this week uh tonight at owen sound at seven o'clock and then they're off to sault Ste. marie for friday night and saturday night games at the gl gfl memorial gardens in sault Ste. marie so that's going to be a tough weekend for a, a week for the knights with three road games against uh um, the Owen Sound attack, even though London's had their number, uh, the attack always play London tough as well. So that should be a good game tonight. And then Friday and Saturday uh, against the uh, Greyhounds as well. And also, guys, the Guelph Storm, they play 3-3 three and three this weekend as well. Uh, Friday night at home against those Windsor Spitfires. And then Saturday night, they're at the Owen Sound attack. And then Sunday afternoon, they take on the Kitchener Rangers at the Sleeman Center as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, before I go, guys, I'm just going to let you know, my next Live with CDP podcast is going to be tomorrow night, Thursday, February 24th at 8 o'clock Eastern. My guest is running back Johnny Augustine uh, from the back-to-back CFL Grey Cup champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's also a former Guelph Griffin football alumni, and he's also a real estate agent in the offseason. I'm looking forward to speaking to Johnny about how he um, – I went from the University of Guelph Griffins to an undrafted player in the CFL and making the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So uh, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, he'll be on uh, live with CDP as well. And also, guys, I'm just going to let you know, I do this for all my shows, uh, live with CDP podcast. The audio version is downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn as well. And also, you can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok as well. Uh, and also, guys, if you're interested, you can, you can follow Ryan uh, Payette on Twitter at Ryan uh, underscore FL Press. Uh, if you want to follow him on uh, Twitter as well, he covers, like I said, the London Knights, the Ontario Hockey League, and news stories around London, Ontario as well. And you can also check out the London Knights website, londonknights.com as well. Uh, anyways, guys, I think I'm going to call it a podcast show. But uh, again, I want to say thank you so much to uh, uh, Ryan Payette for coming on today and uh, talking some London Knights and uh, Ontario Hockey League and his career with the London Free Press as well. And uh, like I said, I hope everybody has a great night and can uh, tune in to uh, uh, Live with CDP tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Again, my guest is Johnny Augustine from the uh, back-to-back CFL Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers and former Guelph Griffins alumni. So, all right, guys. Anyways, uh, have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow night at 8 o'clock for uh, Season 3, Episode 10 of Live with CDP. And again, thanks to everyone watching live on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe, Facebook, and Twitter at Christy Palme, and also on my audio as well. All right, everyone, again, thank you to Ryan Pyatt for coming on, and we'll see you guys tomorrow night at 8 o'clock with Johnny Augustine.